Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Queen, love loves. Hi everyone, welcome back to Aziza Love Loves. And today my guest is Saz Ross. She is an illustrator, educator, and a motivational speaker that has a truly inspiring story to tell. And I am so excited to have her as a guest. So welcome, Saz. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, definitely. And so I know that your life experiences led you to see a clear contrast in the Maryland school district between an affluent neighborhood and Baltimore's inner city school district. So if you could please just start us off on how your journey led you to being an educator in Baltimore, Maryland. So I'm a girl from Queens, New York. I grew up outside of Queens, Jackson Heights originally, and then Syosset. As I was a student in school, I didn't really cling to much academically, but I always loved doodling. I would doodle on scraps of paper, my pants. Kids started calling me pants in the hallway because I would be just drawn all over myself. So that was really the one area where I felt like I could excel. And as I got to college... I was an undecided major. I wound up going to Towson University in Maryland from New York because they gave me the most money. And I, I think they also needed some some Latin students. <laughs> so I, I bumped that up for them. And as I got there, I think I was completely lost. I didn't have any direction whatsoever, but I knew I loved art. So I got involved with clubs on campus and... A lot of those clubs that had all the artsy people also had art educators. And when I was in high school, I was a competitive speaker for four years. I traveled the United States to different colleges and tournaments competing in speaking. That's so, amazing. I, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, I, I got to go to you know, Harvard and Princeton and I got to travel all, to all these Ivy League colleges speaking. And a lot of it was for humor humorous interpretations. So a lot of people think I'm this master debater, but no, I was in the acting division of this organization. Wow. Yeah, I just love to make people laugh. So I did that for quite some time. And then after meeting some art people at Towson, I decided to give art ed a shot and I just fell in love. Mm -hmm. Fell completely in love. All my New York friends were like, oh, you're going to come back here, right? You're going to teach here. And then I said to them, you know, after student teaching in Baltimore, I think I'm meant to be in Baltimore. And they're like, nah, that's, you're crazy. And I was like, no, I think this is it for me. And I wound up student teaching in Howard County, where that was, you know, I felt like at the time, the creme de la creme of art education, they had all these resources and the kids were so invested in the arts and the mm. teachers had what felt like an endless budget. <laughs> so... You know, I tried applying to Howard County and I graduated mid-year, which is such an awkward time to start applying to colleges. Right. Not colleges, I should say, schools um, mm -hmm. or any school for that matter in the middle of the year. So I wanted a job in Howard and I was living in Ocean City on the beach at the time. I was a server at a crab shack 
And I was driving three hours out to go to these interviews. And I get a call after, you know, bothering the human resources department for weeks and weeks and weeks. I get a call from Howard saying they want an interview. So I drive out there in the rain and I'm, you know, I'm watching all of these girls, all these blonde girls. I didn't know if there was a requirement that I wasn't aware of, but they were just (laughs) beautiful, blonde, gorgeous girls. I walk in and, you know, I'm so nervous, but I get into that room and I get the job and it's like (laughs) this huge weight is lifted off my shoulders and then boom, I'm right in the county, I'm teaching you know, in one of the wealthiest areas of Maryland. And, you know, looking at these kids with these, you know, crazy lifestyles of, you know, where are you going for spring break? Oh, you know, Mm. traveling Europe with my family. Like that was the normal for them. And, Mm. you know, it really, really wild stuff. But I was able to get some beautiful art out of them. And, you know, as the years progressed, I got so involved in writing curriculum and professional development. I eventually won Maryland Art Teacher of the Year for elementary, the division at Howard, and I was elated. At that point in my life, I felt like I climbed this ladder. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I reached And that was pretty like early in your career. Oh yeah, it was like the second year into teaching. I got this award and I know it felt great, but you know, with teaching, you know, it's not like engineering. You're not getting like, $10,000 bonus and you're not, you have to be in it for the heart. You know, there's humility and there's, you know, there's a nature of being humble when you're an educator. So I remember sitting in my chair and getting this award. I got a piece of paper and a pencil case and (laughs) I was like, okay, you know, this, this is it for now, but you know, maybe there's more to come. And (laughs) at the same time I'm winning this award, you know, there's, there's a whole layer of my life beneath me and that's my life and family in New York and my mom being diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is this incurable blood cancer. So, Mm -hmm. you know, having to deal with these extreme highs and lows in my career and having to travel between New York and Maryland on a constant basis to help my family definitely wore on me. And then a year or so later, my mom's condition got so bad to the point where, you know, we were putting her in experimental treatment, you know, bringing her from hospital to hospital. My sister basically quit her job to take care of my mom. (laughs) And um, I felt helpless, felt absolutely helpless. I couldn't do anything here in Maryland. And then, you know, I get a call from my sister and five minutes before I have to teach. And she tells me my mom isn't going to make it, that she doesn't have even a year left to live. And, you know, thinking about my biggest cheerleader being that woman in particular and having that call five minutes before I teach a class, I'm in my closet, my supply closet, and I'm just on the floor crying hysterically. Mm. And the woman I, I worked with at the time, she's like, do you want me to teach your class? Do you want me to teach your class? And I was like, you know, there's a part of being an educator where you have this mentality, you know, the, the show must go on. And um, I love Queen. From the bottom of my heart, I love Queen. So that's like the one thing in my head that always plays anytime I'm trying to get through something. And, you know, I had this whole lesson plan and I decided to go through with it. 
So <laughs> at the end of that, what so you, you stayed there after receiving like such heavy and intense news, you continue to carry out your day. Oh, yeah. I wanted to jump out the window at that point. I and bet. I, I decided to stay and I don't know if I should have. And, you know, what ended up happening a few months later, I, you know, I get these calls from my sister saying, you need to come home, you need to come home. And in my heart, I, I always regret not coming home early enough. And mm-hmm. at the time I finally went home, it was less than a week of my mom being alive. I really should have went home earlier. And if anything, um, you know, seeing my mom pass in front of me, it wasn't like it was a peaceful situation. It wasn't like, oh, she, you know, she passed through cancer and, you know, she was on meds. I mean, she was on home hospice care and they only gave her a certain amount of drugs to actually keep her, you know, calm. And when that ran out, we didn't have anything. And her last moments of life were anything, was anything but peaceful. And I had to hold her hand while she's rocking and groaning and moaning. And, and I'm looking at my sister, like, this is how I'm going to remember my mother for the last time. And I I kid you not, after that moment, I was never, I, I wasn't the same. Part of me still isn't the same, but I, I, I knew from that moment on holding that woman's hand, my mother's hand till the end, I, I was not going to be the same person again. And I wasn't. I quit my job in Howard, the most secure job where I had tenure and benefits. And I had a crisis. My husband and I just got married. And here he's seeing me act like this completely impulsive, different person, not knowing who I am anymore, really. And... Right. I'm sending out my resume like I'm starting from scratch and mm. I finally get this bite with my resume from an organization, incredible organization called leaders of tomorrow youth center. It's a nonprofit in Baltimore city where they build art programs all over different, you know, communities in Baltimore that are serving underserved <laughs> students <laughs> serving the underserved <laughs> and In this case, I didn't know if I wanted to circle back to art education, but it almost felt like, you know, I'm thinking in my head, everything happens for a reason. And there's a reason I'm meant to be a teacher. And this is the only thing that's biting. So (laughs) there must be a reason I need to go back. And the school that they gave me at Leaders was a school under construction. So we wound up being at like an abandoned high school for that school year and unbelievable the things that you would see when you walk in you see broken glass parts of the building just completely blocked off no drinking water no air conditioning and the beginning of that school year was absolutely brutal i mean september felt like end of july early august it felt so so hot to the point where i had you know, barely any art materials. And the ones that I'd had, the crayons were actually melting. (laughs) So, I mean, I had melting crayons. I had sweet children wanting to learn and could, and could barely focus because like beads of sweat were just dripping down their faces. It was awful. So me 
relaxed, you know, still, still trying to recover for my mom. I, I definitely think, you know, I was, I was passionate about what I was doing, but I was definitely depressed. I still really wasn't myself. And in the process of losing all of my crayons, I became determined to find an air conditioner. So I sought to go to different places to just see if it was in stock, Walmart, you know, all the department stores and whatnot. And it was completely out of season at that point. So I went to the internet and I look on Facebook Marketplace. And I noticed that there is somewhere north of the city that has an air conditioner and it's on my way home. The time I'm living in Fells Point and it's not that far from my house. But as I start getting closer to my destination, I realize that this area of the city is not safe. There's, you know, bullet holes in the windows of the buildings I'm passing. And part of me is thinking, turn back, turn back now. And the other part of me is like, why? What do I have to lose at this point? Just kind of like a not caring space is what I'm hearing. Just it is what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think at that time, I really didn't have enough confidence in myself to do the right thing. And I wound up doing something impulsively. So I'm outside of the doorway of this house where I'm supposed to be picking up the air conditioner. And I see a light coming from the house. And I look up, I see it's the guy, he's holding the air conditioner. And I think to myself, maybe this is meant to happen right now. Maybe I'm meant to have this. So I get outside of my car, luckily leaving everything I had on me in my pockets inside of that car. And I approach the front door. The man trying to sell me the air conditioner says to me, oh, you know, the plug is right behind me. I know a lot of people on the marketplace, you know, they just try to sell you some broken stuff. Do you want me to plug it in? So I look at the proximity of the plug to the door and I said, you know, why not? I step one foot inside of that house to see this man plug in an air conditioner and his roommate has a gun to my head. Hmm. And in that moment, I was just having these flashbacks of everything leading up to that point. Me quitting my job, signing up for something different, you know, everything, my mom passing, everything. And I thought to myself, is this my time? And in that moment, I had nothing on me. The worst could have happened. And for some reason, I just started laughing. I started laughing and this man with this this gun pointed right at my head. He's thinking I'm crazy. And he put his gun down. And then I made it seem like, you know, I, it was obvious I didn't have anything on me. I'm pretty sure I was wearing a shirt with a stain. So that was something where <laughs> I guess not appealing to someone else. But if anything, he looked at me at, you know, at a second glance and looked me up and down. And saw I, I really did not have anything on me. More though, maybe that I'm crazy. So, you know, I run out of the house. The guy with the air conditioner, he was looking at his roommate like he didn't know what was going on. And he runs out after me saying, you know, he got this roommate on Craigslist, didn't know who he was, excuses, excuses. And 
I'm just literally in a blank space. Like, am I still alive right now? What's going on? And I threw the money at the guy and I left with the air conditioner. And lo and behold, that air conditioner barely worked when I put it in the school. Oh my goodness. And I'm going to be reminded of it. Every time I looked at that, I was like, I almost lost my life for that. And, you know, it, not for a second was that ever worth it. So I sought help and right. I was in deep therapy. And, <laughs> you know, that, that definitely took a lot out of me. And what was the time frame? So from you being at the school in the first county in Maryland to hearing about your mother's illness to this event? So with my job last year in Howard, my mother passed away April 29th of 2019. And then I left Howard in the middle of that summer, which was around like the end of July, August. And then at the end of the August, I joined up with this organization. So, you know, from my mother passing in, I would say very late April 29th to May, May, June, July, August, I'm going to say about like four, four or five months with all of this happening and all this transitioning. So this is all really like pretty fresh because we are only in May of 2020. And so when you spoke at the beginning of the recording, you said that you were not okay, if I remember correctly, and almost still feeling like you're, you're not all the way there. But I'm sure that you have grown a lot and there have been a lot of positive changes. But I just wanted to speak to the fact that Yes, of course, because so much has transpired in such a short amount of time and not that much time has passed still, right? right? For, for all right. of these events that, like that took place. <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems like yeah. a lifetime of everything that's happened. So, you know, long story short, the contract I had at that school went under and there was a vacancy in a leadership position at that organization, mm -hmm. which I still was very passionate about. And I'm, you know, true to the mission. I'm, I love art education. I've been writing curriculum for years. And when I decided to apply for that position, at that point, I really felt like I had nothing to lose. And I walked in, I got the job. And then ever since then, not only have I had more time to make art, which has sort of been this, this passion of mine for years, I've been able to sell at markets I've been able to go to conferences and speak to not only educators, but people who have been through challenging situations like myself with extreme life transitions. And I've been able to share my story, which has probably been the most liberating feeling I've ever had in my life. Yes, I am so appreciative of you coming on and sharing this story, being very raw and open and honest, not only about the story, but about your, your kind of like personal space within it. You know, you're not just talking about it, but, but allowing us to go along with you about how you felt about the decisions that you made during those events. And so with that, I, think that life is like our biggest teacher and what do you think that you learned from those children 
inside of the school. When you transfer to the other school and these children, they were kind of like in despair. They're crying. It's, it's hot, so hot that your crayons are melting. You have experienced a significant loss and you're kind of trying to find yourself. And now you're here. And the big concern is I need to get an air conditioner because I can't even do my job that I love because these children are kind of in this dire strait. What did you learn from them? I learned that in moments where you can feel uncomfortable and unsure of what's going on in your life. In those moments, they were still creating. It occurred to me that no matter how horrible the situation may seem, I created this haven for students that wanted to create, many of which never held a paintbrush, never really made any art at all. And in the midst of all of this, watching them be the resilient little humans they are, it affected me and I looked at art making completely different. I looked at it as, you know, the hero in the situation that saved the day and it made even the, you know, the hottest <laughs> of situations feel the how do I say this? The hottest and heaviest feel the lightest. And even though we were stuck in a situation where we could not control the heat, we could control our voices and our creative instincts. And I think if anything, that is something I'll never forget in that whole experience. Oh, for sure. And in respecting your space and everything that you shared with us for this next question, if you don't feel comfortable answering it, that's not a problem. I, I am so respectful of my guests and the space that they're in. But as you were talking, what I heard is just like so much bravery and determination. And I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts of what your mom might think about the woman that you are now. Wow, what a beautiful question. And I, I definitely don't mind answering that. Uh, if anything, okay. I think I've tried to live my life more open book. I felt like I was an open book before. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like an eagle right now. I'm just like, <laughs> flying. All right. <laughs> so if anything, yes. um, you know, my mom was always a cheerleader of mine by far. And you know, the unfortunate thing is this woman had little confidence when she had so much to be confident for. If anything, she was the one that I think I had, you know, all the art <laughs> inspiration from. She could draw, she could mm -hmm. see. She wanted to hide her talent from the world, but yet put me in a place where, you know, mentally where I could shine. And as I was packing up a lot of my things in New York before I left to come back to Maryland after she passed away, I stumbled upon a letter she sent me and uh, it was from a long time ago and it was stuck in my college box, like my early college years. And it said, Sarah, I miss you dearly. I just wanted to say I'm proud of you. Make every day a new day. My love is with you always. Mm -hmm. So 
In thinking about that letter, I can see it in my mind so clearly. I have it saved somewhere, but I remembered every word of that letter because I know in this moment she would tell me, make every day a new day. It doesn't matter what yesterday brought you or the day before that. You, you control your now and you control the present and you can learn from everything that you've done and make it better. If you just wake up in the morning and you think to yourself, I'm here today. Here's my time and here's my moment to start fresh. That brings me so much optimism and light and it helps me really persevere <laughs> through, through it all. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And I think about what's going on right now globally and that is such a beautiful reminder because I think that so many people are in this space of reflecting and looking back. And some people are in a, a state of fear and panic and anxiety and worrying. I acknowledge that as well. And even for those that are in that space to kind of just have any sort of appreciation for the now, the moment that we're in, because these moments can never come back once once they're gone that's it so it's just this appreciation and value of life and I know that when I speak to friends and loved ones we talk about things that we can't wait to do again that we once just you know casually talked about like oh I'll meet you here we'll go there now it's just like I can't wait to see you again I can't <laughs> wait to just go go out and have this walk and so thank you for that beautiful reminder and for sharing the letter that your mom wrote for you that you ended up finding that I believe at just the right time for you to receive that message again from her. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. She's yes. And so go ahead. What were you going to say? She's always with you. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's, she is. I'm a big, I'm a firm believer in signs. She's, she's with me. Mm -hmm. I am too. I am too. When you were talking, honestly, I, I just felt like I'm like, I know that she's speaking as if these events just kind of happen to transpire and you happen to go from this wealthy school district to the school district that you were at. And that's why that question stood out for me about what did you learn from these children? Because I think that you were supposed to be there. And, and it helped you grow and to flourish and look at what you're doing now. You know, just this ability to use your story to help lift up and encourage and inspire other people is admirable at best. Wow. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. And so, yes. Do you have just any final words of encouragement for people you've shared with us and just for people that might be going through because we never know what anybody is going through behind closed doors but just some words of encouragement for our listeners absolutely uh i think before my mother passed and before i went through all of these life changes i looked at therapy as I didn't say this out loud, but I definitely felt this way as a sign of weakness. And mm -hmm. I definitely felt as if needing someone else's help 
was a reflection of me as a person and not being able to cope. But I think a big lesson out of all of this is not being ashamed to reach out. Because when I started reaching out, not only was I able to find a therapist for me, it's almost like, you know, that perfect match, right? It's like the cherry on the sundae. That's like the perfect match. You and a therapist, not every therapist is going to give you the answers that you want, by the way. It's something like you have to, keep, it's like a good date. You got to keep, keep going on them, you know? So, so that's right. <laughs> you got to keep, you got you to find the person that's right for you. So after doing that and after reaching out to communities of women who not only lost a parent, but were telling these impactful and motivating stories, I knew that taking the creative risk of walking outside my comfort zone and meeting strangers and groups of people that I could identify with, biggest life changer, because I would not be doing what I'm doing now if I didn't extend my hand. I didn't ask for help. I think that in the end was the biggest part of all of it is just speaking your mind and even saying things out loud will make you feel better. And keeping a journal with your thoughts, little things like that are really going to make the difference. That's right. I'm all for support and expression because keeping things in can just lead to like a, the best word thing that I'm thinking of is like a darker turn because we, we almost kind of have like this shame and this guilt that we hold on to and, and think that we, we have done things wrong. And I know when you were speaking, one of the things you would say is that I should have and just honoring that. Okay. You can have those regrets. We can't change that, but. You didn't, and but you're you're speaking about it. Not only what you did, but how you felt about it, and just that whole circle, and how it just makes you still a whole individual. Like there are no broken parts. And so, I thank you once again for being on and sharing your story. And but before we close, could you please just let everyone how they can connect with you? Oh yeah, of course. I use Instagram. If you want to look at some art and maybe even have a creative workshop, that's something I've been doing a lot since quarantine. So it's S A Z Saz underscore Ross R O S S. And that's the same for Twitter and Saz Ross. You can find me on Facebook and my YouTube channel as well. So if anything, I hope we connect. And yeah, thank you so much for having me on this incredible show. I'm a huge fan of this show. <laughs> huge fan. Thank you so much. <laughs> you are amazing. Thank you again. Oh, thank you. And take care. As always, don't forget to spread the love. If you enjoyed the message, please share, like, comment, and subscribe. With love, Queens, Aziza.